Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. Today's guests are the directors of Woodard's Carnegie, Ruth Roberts and Benjamin Dax. Ruth is one of the few leading female auctioneers in Melbourne and has also recently been awarded the highest selling female agent in Victoria. Ruth has almost three decades of real estate experience and extensive knowledge which goes hand in hand with her reputation for being approachable, professional and intelligent. Ben started his career with Ruth nearly 10 years ago and has certainly made a name for himself in the industry. Since 2013, Ben has achieved the most individual sales in the 3163 district, as well as repetitively being awarded number one in the Woodards Network for most properties sold. We're so excited to have them on the show today. Welcome, Ben and Ruth. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. Us. So what a dynamic duo between the two of you. I um, remember the first time I came across Woodard's Carnegie before I was even in real estate. It was actually I saw Ruth auctioneering at property down in Glen Huntley um, and came to know that you guys were working together and obviously now in the industry. Kobe and I have done a few deals, which is exciting, but we would really love to know where this all started because – usually or what we've found is a lot of directors it's sort of family based you know um, brothers going in together or um, father and son or something like that how did Benjamin Dax arrive at the Woodard's office and Ruth Roberts decided to take him on board can I tell the story so we'll get the truth (laughs) it all started on a a physio's bench I guess so my (laughs) this sounds interesting (laughs) (laughs) so my partner who plays way too much golf has to go to the physio and his physio is Brendan Dax. I'll give him a plug. Down on (laughs) Jasper Road in Bentley, does a great job, keeps Ross playing four times a week. And as – Yeah, and as uh, they were chatting away and uh, Brendan mentioned to Ross that his son was coming back from Sydney. You were in Sydney I think at the time? Yeah, yeah. And loves sales and was looking to get into real estate. So Ross said, oh, I should put him, put Ben in touch with Ruth. So we met at the coffee shop and we had a chat and the rest is history, I guess. So Ben had been doing law prior. Yep. Um, so I saw an opportunity to get some brains into the organisation. <laughs> and uh, look, as they say, the rest is history and it's just been a great journey ever since. So what was it that you saw in Ben? Like obviously I think the biggest thing is in real estate having talent come through from scratch, like with no prior experience, um, it can be risky, um, but everyone has to start somewhere. What was it that you sort of felt, yep, this is the right fit for the company? I don't know how, but word got out that I'd spoken to Ben and one of my daughters had a friend that worked at Harvey Norman when Ben was working there from the age of 16 and every year Ben won the award for upselling clients <laughs> and won lots of awards at Harvey Norman as well for selling when he was still in school. So I thought, yeah, he's probably got some good skills. That's um, so interesting. In episode we just released um, – with uh, Sam from Jealous Craig, he actually used to sell vacuum cleaners beforehand and quite a few people have a story. Yeah, it's really common. And um, actually I work with Todd Braggins who's at Shelter. Yeah, we work together at Harvey Norman. Like a lot of people have come through that route, which is quite funny. But, um, yeah, so I was in – I was studying law and then started working at 
sort of Harvey Norman to sort of supplement while I was at uni and um, stop law, didn't know what I wanted to do. So, and it was just through that. I was like, oh, sales is all right. So I may as well, you know, have a crack at the big legs. And then was very, very, very lucky that um, had that connection with Ruth because um, as you probably see, there's a lot of different agencies out there and um, they're not all, you know, as culturally aligned as we are. So yeah, it was just, it was just pure luck. How does your dynamic work between the two of you? We're different. I mean, I don't think we've ever had a disagreement. No. I mean, I respect Ben's a really smart young man and when he joined me, we just through some circumstances, all of a sudden things change and Ben was working just sort of learning the ropes and was thrown into the limelight very quickly and just adapted really easily. And... Look, Ben just brings more to the business than I probably do now. Well, he does. So, and I, you know, I think we just respect each other. We've got very different skills. We've got very different um, ways of going about doing things. Yep. But the two work together. It's quite complimentary. And I, I think we've probably carried that through into the next lines of, you know, hiring and people joining our team is that realistically – it hasn't been as if, you know, oh, we've got a gap we've got to fill. It's more like we meet someone that's culturally aligned and we find them a spot. Mm-hmm. And that's really been yep. pretty much the attitude since day one. Like we've had bigger teams, smaller teams, but it hasn't been through stock levels or through availability. It's really just a case of once we find someone that's, that fits perfectly, like we happened to find two people over the last month that fit perfectly, so we find them a spot. It's just if you if you are in line with us culturally because that is incredibly hard to find people that are in that same mould as you um, and that we'd want to work with, then um, then we find them a spot. And that's kind of how it, all, how it all has kept going. I think that's a great way to grow because I think when people grow out of a need and they're, you know, hustling to hire, often get the wrong staff, more problems three months later, things are worse off than where they were um, and trying to find a spot for people and when you see good talent that you know you can really see the potential in, that's a really good way. I don't think we've ever heard someone say that that's the way they hire or create a culture in real estate, so that's awesome. Yeah, well, it has worked well and, you know, I'm not going to say that we are a ha- one big happy family because <laughs> – but I don't know, everyone knows each other, everyone – there is a common thread, I think, everywhere throughout, including property management, sales – and as Ben said, and I think that's something Ben brought to the business as well because, you know, I've had a couple of employees that have gone and then wanted to come back or, you know, and, and I know one time when I said to Ben, made a comment about it and he said, I think people that are loyal need to be rewarded and having other people come back in the business is not how you reward people. Yeah. And, and I thought that's so true. It's And you'll see obviously we – keep the team sales-wise pretty lean and we prefer everyone to be doing more, earning more um, and uh, busier because it. I think it rewards good people, it keeps good people um, and also I think busier people work better as well. You know, working on one sale a month I don't think is the, the key to success and learning quickly and growing and also being able to do your job effectively as well. Yeah, that's very true. The more that you have going on, 
Um, yeah. yeah, it's we know how that feels too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we're yeah. the same. Like if we, you know, over summer or in in the depths of winter, if it's a slow market, you know, you never work as effectively when you've just got less happening. Be busy and, yep. and do yep. more definitely. Yep. Now, Ben, I want to get to your success in off markets of late in a in a second. Sure. Because um, I think that's a, a been a very solid arm for you recently from an outsider looking in. Yep. Um, but. Ruth, I would love to know your auctioneering journey because the first time I came across you, and you won't remember this, but that's okay. Probably didn't know who I was. Um, I attended an auction of yours and it was, um, I can still remember the apartment. It's probably only a few um, blocks back parallel to Glen Huntley Road. It was in an orange brick building and it it must have been a deceased estate of some sort. Um, Had all the original furniture and you could smell, you know, old people smell in it. Um, And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this woman is pulling out so much money from these buyers. Like you actually, you had a... um, black jumpsuit on and you had your, your <laughs> mic and you were walking around the crowd and you literally were standing right next to this gentleman and you were just pulling more money out of him. I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. How did you get into the auctioneering part? Like where did your journey actually start and, and did you auctioneer from the beginning? Was it something you got into? How did that happen? Um, well, when I first got into the business, uh, this business was owned by Patrick Helpin and I was working with Pat and we were just a two-man show two-woman show. Um, And Pat very quickly entered me into the Novice Auctioneers competition, which I couldn't believe, but he did it and then I felt I couldn't back out of it. So that was when the REIV, you had your chapters and everyone was very, a little bit more active in that manner back in the day. And uh, anyway, I didn't win it, but uh, Pat booked me in that weekend to auction a house and that was a biggie and it's funny because there were four of us in that novice auctioneers competition and we're all girls but none of them went on because they didn't get the opportunity because the companies they were working for just didn't give them the chance to auction so I have to say Pat did and I auctioned a great house in Leela Road and it went really well and that's probably the best first thing to auction is something that is going to sell really well then he just started relying on me more to do the auctions and it just grew and I just knew I needed to have a good, solid career. I've got three daughters. I need to put them through school, support them. I needed to earn a good income, to be honest, and I thought if I can auction, that will separate me from the pack. And so, yeah, so I just started doing it. And I'd, it's interesting. I'm not a public speaker. Uh, I don't speak well generally. But at auctions, I feel really comfortable doing them. And I I think I have the ability to not offend people and I can get to know people during the auction process and I don't take myself too seriously, I guess. Definitely. And I think a lot of it is commanding respect as the auctioneer as well. I think you do that really, really well. I've seen quite a few of your auctions. We watch them on gavel sometimes in the car when we're in between things as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a large element of it. Like you mentioned, you might not be the best public speaker. That's a different realm and a different yeah. skill set sometimes. But commanding respect in an auction is super, super important. I think you do that awesomely. Um, so well done. Oh, thank you. Ben, over to yes. you. You have done a bucket load of off markets from what I hear and what I see recently. And I don't know if that's necessarily something that's increased for you of late. Um, how has the last couple of months been for you and what's that look like? Yeah. So, look, 
We always run pretty heavy off market um, in in all market conditions. So um, I guess, yeah, this year has been a lot bigger than more normal. So I'd say probably 50% of my listings this year have been off market and the sales and the office is probably 25, 30%. So it's still a huge component of what we do. Um, I guess most of it is structure. So you set up the off market the ability to sell off market first and then, you know, the opportunities will arise. So I've always had very close relationships with advocates and of sort of a top 20 or 30 key buyers. And that's something I've always done. Um, I always have a pretty good understanding of, so there'd be, I don't know, maybe between five and 10 advocates that are very, including yourselves that are very, very active in this area. Um, And I always have a pretty good grasp of the clients they've got. So when I'm going to appraisals, not only can I price properties very accurately and confidently because I know the kind of buyer that I've got in my back pocket, so to speak, um, which also helps just in winning business generally because you can say, look, I know someone at 1.5 or at 900 that would be interested. Um, but also um, it allows you to do off-market transactions because um, a lot of vendors for varying reasons would prefer to sell off-market and sometimes that's price that they get to have an opportunity to sell for something that may not be achievable. At auction. Ruth, do you sell much off market? Not generally. I don't work at the same as Ben. I don't have as much, I guess, time with buyers perhaps. And I suppose most of my clients want me to auction their properties. So most of my business comes off my auctions and that's why they're employing me because they want to go to auction. Yeah, so, it's a bit of a – and look, yeah. the one thing that I would find – I've always find really interesting is that – I always thought that people would see, say, Woodards and they would call us in and, you know, the, the fact that we were do, all doing better meant everyone would get called in more often. But it is so interesting to see how specifically people choose agents. Mm. Like the, the type of people that call Ruth in are very different often from the type of people that call me in mm. and they really people really do almost pick and choose and select agents based on who they think will work well with them or, mm. or, or whatever, um, but they do that before they call in. Yeah. They don't They don't call in four agents and then go, okay, let's see if they all are, are good or they match us mm. or, or we think they're going to do the best for us. They, they really do obviously do their research because, mm. um, because the people that and the types of vendors that call Ruth in are very, very different to me. Well, then this question is to both of you. What would be your strong points, like why they want you to sell their home? Well, for me at the moment, which is really interesting, I'm getting a lot of old clients' children. <laughs> so, yeah, at the moment I've I've got, you know, a few listings where the parents have been very long-term clients. I met them, sold them properties, sold for them, and now their children are actually buying and selling property. So that's a big part of my, um, I guess, base at the moment. Also a lot of locals in the area. They've seen me work, Glen Huntley in particular, for 30 years. Um, so I guess that's probably a fair share of my vendors. Um, I don't know. I kind of – they are different, yeah. probably more mature maybe. <laughs> um, but a lot of mine is now just referral, people I've known for many, many years that I've sold to and for. And how about you, Ben? The majority are either referral from – very recent sales. Mm. So a lot of friends, this is, it's a pretty tight knit little community Carnegie. So a lot of people who have kids at the primary school or kids at the kinder and they're, you know, their friends are all in similar stages of life. So they're all moving. 
because they're having more kids or whatever. Um, but the probably the overwhelming majority is people that I've met at Opens five to six years ago. That's that's the the vast majority. And whether I sold them something or not, my I guess my whole thing was when I started ten years ago, I was what twenty three and I looked about fourteen. So <laughs> I always thought that I had to just know more and be smarter, more knowledgeable about everything real estate than everyone else because otherwise I just have no hope. No one would want me to sell their property if I looked so young. So that was my sort of, you know, aim is just to just to be better. And so a lot of the referrals I get or a lot of the the people that call me in are, oh, we met you at a, you know, inspection six years ago. You know, most of the other agents were hopeless, didn't know what they were talking about and you seemed like you was pretty switched on so we thought we'd call you in. And I was having this conversation because we have just put on a couple of new salespeople is that, that would be a lot of agents that are really, really great, but they don't get success in the first two or three years and they leave before they find out whether they were good or not. Mm. Like so many of these call-ins coming out of nowhere are five or six-year-old relationships that, you know, I've just met them once, met them a few times at Opens or whatever when they were buying and now they come to sell and all of a sudden they're calling me in because I'm still working. Whereas, you know, we've, I was just having a chat to Dimmy, well, you know, you, you might take you four or five years to work out whether you're good or not. Yeah. Um, because before then you, you leave, all of a sudden they look to call you in, you're not working anymore, they'll call someone else. So that half of half of real estate is staying in it as well. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. my challenge at the moment. Everyone <laughs> assumes I'm due to retire and I'm not. <laughs> not yet. No. Surely not. No, no not at no, all. I've, yeah, you've got it. You've said it now, so now you can't. That's perfect <laughs> for me. Recorded. Thanks very much. Now, obviously, sales methods and relationships is one aspect of real estate, but marketing and getting your name out there and the properties out there is another. Now, um, Ben, we were chatting um, in passing at a pre-settlement inspection recently and you mentioned the um, billboards that you have sometimes so you like to have play on words of different ones that you guys have up can you give us some examples because you made me laugh a lot yeah so <laughs> look, ones we, you, your near misses that you avoided we, bad marketing we, yeah we try to t- not take ourselves too seriously realistically and like it's a bit of fun and the worst the pun the worst the billboard that we've put up we've got a couple of spots but our major ones on Neerham Road that a lot of people local people will know about um, the worse they are, the better the reaction. So we tried to do some really slick, you know, cool real estate agent stuff and all these amazing sort of camera angles and, and no one cares. They all only care about like we had one where we were sitting on this like look like a Subway sandwich and we'd, we'd sold the most properties for eight years, whatever. Anyway, it was said we're on a roll <laughs> and like everyone thought it was a Subway ad but but it, like that was the biggest reaction we got or that, you know, we're breaking records and we're smashing vinyls over each other's heads or whatever. Like those are the ones that seem to have had good reactions. And um, so yeah, that's probably our, it wouldn't be our biggest spend, but it would definitely be our most successful marketing of those billboards. And we've just, we're just um, opening up another office in, in Carnegie in Cornang Road, oh, cool. basically because we wanted the billboard space. <laughs> And, um, and they, they wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let us put one up unless we were operating a business. So we're so we're opening another office so just to, uh, to get that up and running. Thinking though, remember when you first started, and then I found out you were a Collingwood supporter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we did yeah. a, a promo, and I remember we went over to I think Caulfield Cricket Ground. Yeah. And there, it was something about lucky he's good because if I'd known he was a Collingwood supporter, I wouldn't have <laughs> let him in or something like that. Yeah. So we've always. Yeah, tried We've to do always something done that, a bit but different. Get, yeah, I'd only just been hired, so I thought all this sort of marketing stuff that was normal. It was only sort of 
five, 10 years later, I've realized that no one else is really doing like everyone else is a bit too serious. So no, we love it. Um, and it's good for, good for the team as well. And it's like real estate's about personalities and people like no one. Yeah. Everyone gets that you're a real person. So mm. um, I think if the, the more ways you can show that personality, the better. I do remember the conversation when we did the first block auction. Yes. And Ben and I, we sold it, I think, on the Monday or the Tuesday after the auction. And we've gone into Collins Street to meet the buyer and into his office, sign him up. And then we're coming out. And I said to Ben, don't think this is real estate. <laughs> You've been in it for a second and here you are yeah. signing up an offer on the, fir- you know, the block <laughs> yeah. in you Collins thought, Street. Great. Yeah, we're just going up to the penthouse in Collins Street, <laughs> sign up some offers. Yeah, this yeah, is pretty cool. Do. <laughs> tell all your yeah. mates. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then we'll go back and sell a $240,000 flat in Glen Huntley. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, where the tenant's still asleep inside. <laughs> So you just mentioned that you're opening an office in Carnegie, which is super exciting. That's that's awesome. Um, what are the plans for for you guys? You know, have you have you got sort of a vision of where you want to take things? I know, obviously, mentioning that you do hire based on the fact that there's fit in your fine room. What does the future hold for Wood Arts? Um, I guess, yeah, we like we always like to have something going on. That's sort of the the one thread that we've had. Well, for the last 10 years is there's always something happening. We're always, yeah, looking at other opportunities or, or whatever. So, yeah, certainly the extra room in Carnegie is is great for, for expanding our team. But I think, yeah, it's it's not it's not just that. It's if we have if we find the right people and they are a cultural fit, then there's always going to be space for them. Um, and we like working with nice people. So that it, it, it's it's not necessarily that it's like, okay, this is a building block and this is what we're going to do next and strategically we're taking over this office and whatever. It's, it's, mm. more, about, um, it's more about giving great people an opportunity. As Ben said, we always see, there always seems to be something, a chap that used to work here is long, you know, he's retired and he's had his own business, et cetera, over the years and then he spent his last probably five years in real estate working here with us. And whenever he popped in and or he still, he'll say, there's always something happening in your office. There's always something new going on. And I think Kunang Road will be fantastic because it's giving us the opportunity to brand a building how we want to brand it and it's a bit of a blank canvas and I think yeah. that will say more about our marketing again. Yeah, that's right. We've sort of been given pretty free reign to do what we want there so it can be a bit more fun and a bit less, you know, blokes in suits real estate. Um so that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, so we should open that in about a month and, yeah, we're looking forward to it. I just wanted to touch on the cultural fit that you've been talking about since the beginning of the interview. Where did that come from? Who decided, like, that's what we like as a whole? I think it just hit me one day. As the business was growing, I just realised that, gee, we've got this great team and we actually enjoy each other's company I think everyone likes coming to work and then you get someone that doesn't fit and you realise, wow, this is not, I don't care how good they are, they are not aligned with everyone and then I think Ben's really pushed it even to another level. And I think I think it's really obvious. I mean, it definitely comes from Ruth. That's She won't say it, so I will. Um, it, it definitely comes from Ruth and she's an incredibly strong leader in that respect um, by... I wouldn't say it's, you know, like we write up on the wall, like culture is everything and, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not like that. It's just 
um, by example, this is this is how you behave. This is what real estate is. This is what an office is. This is what sort of environment we like. And we we have the same with property management. It's not there's not a division between sales and property management here. Everyone is on a very similar wavelength, I guess. It's very difficult to explain. It's very difficult to keep, but it's so obvious when someone comes in who is not, you know, they're not on the same wavelengths as the, as the rest of the team. And it's little examples where you you might hire someone and um, we had one fella join us who, you know, comes through, doesn't really talk to anyone, has his headphones in, you know, walks straight past the receptionist, you know, this kind of stuff that I'm sure that would go on at 99% of corporate offices, but in a small team like ours, you just can't get away with it. So, and that's not really tolerated either, regardless of performance, because that's it's it will hurt you in the long term. And I think that's something I know. One time, I nearly made the mistake. I said to Ben, "Look, why wouldn't we just hire him? He's been around. He'll do a bit of business." pop him in a corner and, as Ben said, but there's nowhere to hide in our office. We can't – we're just not that sort of office to be able to carry anyone. If we're a big office and no one cared, well, then you can have people sitting in corners just doing their thing and not being a part of the team. And, uh, you know, that was so true. There is nowhere to hide when you've got a nice, small, tight, good team. Yeah, and we're – like we're seven-day-a-week workers realistically. Like we spend so much time here and we just don't – we don't want to deal with it. I don't want to to come to work, put out fires all day. No. It's just like we're we're in a team where the top few generate most of the income and if our time is taken away by putting out fires from – sales guys who are generating very small income it's just it's counterproductive it doesn't work yeah yeah clearly not in it for a numbers game by the no. sense of it you know you've got to be in it to enjoy it and grow as people appear to you know be the right people to help it grow which is awesome yeah. just in closing from both of you in sort of a you know a sentence or two summary what would be your advice to people looking to get in because a lot of listeners would be people who are thinking about getting into the industry what would be your advice Ruth look i think it has to be And I've learned, again, from Ben and some of the younger ones in the team, it doesn't have to consume your life, Mm. but it is a lifestyle choice. You can't be in real estate if you're not committed to be working the seven days a week. Now, we don't want people working seven days a week. That's not good for anyone, but you need to be prepared to be around for those seven days, I guess. So it is a bit of a lifestyle. You have to love it. You can't do it if you don't love it. Mm. So, and you've got to be tough. Yeah. Really thick-skinned, which I wasn't, so I've had lots of sleepless nights. So probably in the last year I've toughened up. (laughs) But it's a hard industry and you need to be tough, Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think you you see people bounce around a lot and it never works. Um, Very, very real. I haven't seen it work. So I think people need to be careful in where they go. It's... It seems to be an industry where people um, go and do their week course and then they just, you know, spread around their CVs and hope that they get an opportunity. And a lot of the agencies that give people opportunities like that are high-volume turnover. Like, And they won't last. Yeah, That's the average what time in the industry is, what, 18 months or something? So mm-hmm. I think the best I've seen it done is someone who actually goes out to open for inspections, sees how the agents behave and just see if you're on the same, like there's a spot for a lot of people, see if they're a similar personality type for you, see if you could see yourself working with those people um, because it, it needs to be a commitment to long-term, I think, to even know whether you can make it or not. Treat it as an apprenticeship, mm-hmm. four years. 
you know, treated it that you're not going to earn a lot of money for four years. If you do before then, awesome. But there's every chance that you really won't hit your straps for, for three to four years and be prepared to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually a valid point about going around to the opens and sort of testing them out because we're lucky that you can actually do that. There's a lot of industries where you can't go and sort of test out the yeah. team before you work yep. with them. You, you're allowed go to go to the auctions, see how they behave. Times, so yeah. Yeah. I've definitely. seen um, others who, you know, if you're in a position and you own a home locally, which is, you know, a lot of people joining real estate later in life, 35, mm. 40, you might own a home in the area, get some agents in for appraisals. Yeah. Like, test them out. You know, see if, you know, you'll be wasting their time for an hour, but they won't mind. <laughs> but it, it, it will give you a really good insight into the kind of people that you'd want to be working for and with yeah. um, because you are very much attached to the brand that you choose um, and you want to make sure that that's, that's what you're about as well yeah. um, because it, it, your success is also highly dependent on it. Yeah. Most definitely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to hear more about your story and insights as well, because I think it's so valuable to hear how other people operate. This is the whole reason we created the podcast is so other agents from other agencies can learn from you without having to necessarily come directly to you and, and vice versa. So thanks for being open and sharing things with us today. Um, listeners, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, um, Humans of Real Estate. And if there's somebody that you would like for us to interview, send us a message and let us know who it is so we can get them on the show thanks uh, Ruth and Ben it's been an absolute pleasure thank you thanks Speaking for having us soon. thank you